are going to end the series on the book of Joel this morning. Now, to the book of Joel, he was one of the earliest prophets in the Old Testament. We've talked about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and we talked about Daniel. We talked about how Isaiah and most of them were prophesying to the nation of Judah, the southern part, because you had the great civil war, the great split, and they divided into two nations. You had Israel and you had Judah down below. And so most of the prophets were always prophesying to Judah because that's where Christ was going to come, through Jerusalem, out of Judah, and through the line of David. And that's where David would come from. And so that's why most of the the prophets focus on them. But Joel was one of the earliest prophets in the Old Testament. And he didn't just prophesy to Judah. He prophesied what the Bible says is the nation of Israel. So he was prophesying to them before the split happened. And it was 822 B.C. The, the, uh, the, The Israelites didn't get taken into captive until 722 B.C. And then Judah came into captive at 586 B.C. And so he was prophesying to both nations before then about how God would do something amazing if they would turn their heart to him. We know that they didn't. We know that the nations chose to go in rebellion. And so in 722 B.C., the the Assyrians came in and took over the northern part, which was Israel. And then in 586 B.C., we had the the, uh, other armies, the Babylonians, come in and take over the land of Judah. And then they were all into a place of captivity. And so Isaiah began to prophesy to them about the salvation of the, the Savior in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah is the prophet of righteousness. Ezekiel began to prophesy about the glory of God. Daniel began to prophesy about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Joel begins to prophesy even before all this takes place because I believe this God always begins something with the end already done. Amen. God begins something with the end already finished. You were born and your end was already finished. He knew you would be born again. He set up things in your life to get you saved. So God began with one of the earliest prophets in Joel prophesying about the end, the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that means for the church today and how it must begin to be an operation in our life. And so as we talk about the book of Joel, we must begin to understand the historical purpose was to give warnings to the nation of Israel and Judah about their upcoming captivity if they didn't turn. The doctrinal purpose is the coming of the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, God's blessing on his people, and that's important to note. God's blessing on his people is not something. It's not a new house. It's not a new car. God's blessing on you is his spirit, Uh, okay? Some of you are praying for a new car, and you need to be praying for his spirit. (laughs) Some of y'all are praying for a different spouse, and you need to be praying for his spirit, (laughs) amen? Some of y'all are praying for a different career, and you need to be praying for his spirit. The blessing on you is not things. It's his spirit, And the book of Joel begins to prophesy God is going to bless you in the last days by pouring out his spirit. So to the church in America today especially, quit praying for new things and new buildings and new material things. Pray for a movement of his spirit because with his spirit, he's going to amply supply everything that his spirit needs to have a movement take place. Amen. So I want you to get in the, the right tone and frame of mind this morning that as you go to Costa Rica today, as you go into your workplace today, as we go all over Hopkins County and be the service today and deliver 360 Thanksgiving meals, we're not praying for a blessing of things on people. We're praying for a manifestation of God's spirit on people because that's his blessing on us. It's his spirit. And so as he begins to prophesy about the Holy Spirit, that is the doctrinal purpose and the blessing to his people. The Christological purpose is Christ is presented as the giver of the Holy Spirit, the judge of the nations, the refuge for his people, and the stronghold for his people. Now that you found the book of Joel, stand with me this morning. I want you to stand as we read this because I want you to be alive. I want you to be awake. I want you to understand what God is about to say to you today. And it starts out in verse number 23. And I know I put on the the screen 25 and I apologize about that, guys. So Joel chapter 2, verse number 23. And it says, be glad. Everybody say, I'm glad. glad. It says, rejoice. Everybody say, I'm happy. It says this in Joel chapter 22, 23. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God 
for he has given you the early rain for your vindication and he's poured out you to you the abundant rain the early rain and the latter rain as before the threshing floors shall be full of grain and the vats will overflow with wine and oil and this is the part where we're really going to jump into the scriptures today i will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten the hopper locust and the destroyer locust and the cutter locust my great army which i sent among you you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the lord your god who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame everybody say never again and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else like me. And my people shall never again be put to shame. He says it twice in two verses. There's something to click on there. And then he says, and it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say, that's me. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, and, and get this, church, get this. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Woo, come on, everybody say, today is my day. No, no, act like you really want it today. Today is my day. One more time, today is my day. All right, you can be seated this morning if you can, because today is your day. And I, I want to get you into this, because this is so profound to, to many of your lives today. God is wanting to start something amazingly new in your life today. But if he's going to start something amazingly new in your life today, some of us, before we can get to that point, we got to start dealing with some issues. Everybody say issues. Some of us have issues, and you don't even know it. Some of you don't think you have issues, and that's your main issue. All of us got issues we got to deal with. Some of you will catch that in a minute. Amen. And so all of us got issues to deal with. And this, and this starts out, I want us to jump into Joel verse, chapter 2, verse 25. And it says, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper locust, the destroyer locust, and the cutter locust. Now that's a bunch of locusts. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to have him throw a picture up on the screen here in just a minute of, of some of these locusts, and, and it's going to give you a, a, a more of an encompassing view of what this looks like. And as they throw it up there, you'll begin to understand. I'm going to tell you a little bit about these locusts that they're talking about. They're not the northeast Texas locusts that are the little things that make a lot of annoying noises in the springtime that are about that big that fly, and you when you're a kid, you know, you collect all the locust shells you could and put them in a little box, and you try to keep them forever because it was the neatest thing in the world, right? That's not what it's talking about. The locust that they're talking about, I want you to imagine a, a, a modern-day East Texas grasshopper that's about that big, and you know how we hate them in the spring. Uh, I mean, and, and they're the most annoying things in the world, and we're ha the only reason I'm happy for winter is because the, locust, or the, the grasshoppers are gone, amen? And they, they kill everything. Y'all have seen it out there, and it seems like one day everything's green, the next day the rose bushes are gone, <laughs> the, the flowers are gone, the shrubs behind the building are gone. It's just like overnight, it's just they're gone. Well, the locusts that the Bible's talking about are very similar to that, except imagine it being um, triple or quadrupled in size, from uh, an inch and a half to two inches that you see, to three to eight inches big, okay? And this is why uh, I've never heard it preached on, but as studying this message, I love to see when John the Baptist went out in the wilderness, and this isn't in my message, this is just for, for your uh, bonus points, I guess you can just have a freebie this morning. I love in the message where the Bible says John the Baptist was in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. God's going to begin to devour the things that are trying to steal your life. 
And he did it through John the Baptist prophesying. He was in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. I've never heard a message preached on it, so I'm not going to make a theological statement about it. But I believe there's something to that, that it was more than just a prophecy about I'm the forerunner for Jesus. It was prophesying that I'm going to destroy the things that have came in and destroyed you and he was the, the forerunner for Jesus in everything that he did. And so the locusts that we're talking about, and just leave that picture up there if you would for a while, guys. Um, they're, they're migratory locusts, and they range from uh, Europe to China, even in small swarms. Listen, they can cover several hundred square miles and weigh thousands of tons. They eat the equivalent of their body weight by day, and they fly with the wind at night. They can cover about 500 kilometers, 310 miles in one season. They've grown to be 6 to 8 inches in his length. And the largest known swarm, get this, covered 513,000 kilometers. You, you can't even imagine that. 513,000 kilometers, the largest swarm, has covered. There were over 12.5 trillion of these insects weighing over 27.5 million tons. They're so big, they come in such swarms like this that literally they would black out the sun. They would black out the sun when they would fly in. And as they would fly by day and what they would do at night, they really can't fly on their own. They're not like a bird that can just take off and fly. What they would do is as they would grow into this six to eight inch uh, span about this big, can you imagine grasshoppers that big uh, just pouncing on you all day long? They would, they would jump like a grasshopper. You know how a grasshopper can go a good 10, 15 yards on one jump because he spreads his wings and kind of flies? Well, what they would do is they would catch the winds that were blowing in, the strong winds across Europe in the desert, and they would jump high and they would spread their wings. And so it would look like they could fly and they could cover tons of ground in, in, in a short matter of time and they would come in in these huge swarms and as they would come in they would literally engulf everything that you would see and they would ravage lands within within days and literally destroy everything about the land and the bible talks about first they would come in and you would come in as the swarming locust these are the adult male locusts. Then it talks about the hopper locust and the destroyer locust and the cutter locust. What that really means is what would happen is the swarming locust would come in and these are the adult mature locusts like you see here. They would fly into a region. And what they would do is they would fly into a region. They would completely blanket a whole region. And I mean, could you imagine just all of northeast Texas being covered with these huge locusts for a matter of days and they would fly in and, and when they would leave there would be nothing left. Everything, everything green would be gone. They would eat the grass, the trees, the fruits, the vegetation. Everything would be gone. But in their coming in, what they would do is they wouldn't just eat the vegetation. They would burrow in the hole. They would burrow holes, holes in the ground. Or if you're in the, 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 the desert where Ju, 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 Judah was, where Jerusalem was, they would get in the walls because their walls were made of clay, and they would burrow in the walls, and they would leave millions of larvae every single place that they would go. So if you had a million come in of the locusts, they would all leave their larvae, and it would literally, times that by 100, they were about to hatch. And so as they would come in, they wouldn't just ravage everything, but they would plant seeds that would begin to come to fruition as short as a seven-day time span, and the longest is a 60-day time span. So could you imagine all this ravaging coming in and everything completely destroyed, but now you've got to deal with, the, with their offspring, which would greatly multiply over the next two months. This is where the Bible talks about the swarming locust would come in, and what the swarming locust left, the hopper locust would get. The hopper locust is the larvae that would hatch. And the hopper locusts are locusts that are born, and after they're born, their wings haven't developed yet. They haven't even grown yet. So they would be along the ground, and all they could do is hop from place to place. And they would eat anything that had begun to come back and grow green again over the 7 to 7 to 60 day time period. And they would begin to grow, and they would just begin to devour everything that was left. And as they would 
devour everything that was left and move on, they would begin to develop wings. And as they would develop wings, they would grow into what they called the destroyer locust. Now, the destroyer locusts look a lot like a mature locust, and they have the wings that have sprouted, but they're not strong enough to fly yet. But they're stronger, and they're growing, and they're getting bigger so they can jump farther, they can go more, and they would literally be known as the destroyer locust. So after about the, after the time of hatching, you have about the two months where the destroyer locusts are growing into maturity, and after about a four-month time period, everything that was destroyed by the swarming locust, and after it's been eaten by the, by the hopper locust, the destroyer locust, they're growing, they're eating their body weight and food every day, and so as they're growing, they're literally uh, bringing devastation completely again across the land, and then it talks about, as it goes from the destroyer, the swarming locust to the destroyer locust, and then it talks about the cutter locust. These are the locusts that have come back to full maturity again, and they're about to leave and destroy everything in their path in front of them again. That's what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about what the swarming locusts have left, the hopper locusts have eaten. What the hopper locusts have left, the destroyer locusts have eaten. What the destroyer locusts have left, the cutter locusts are eaten. And why does the Bible talk in this type of analogy? Why does the Bible say this? I believe it says it for, for a historical reason, as I believe it references the, the four major empires that would come after they went into captivity, the, the Babylonians, and then you have the, the Greece, and then you have Rome, and then you have the, the Medo-Persian uh, empires that would come in and take over. But I believe it's more of a spiritual concept than a historical concept. I believe it's a spiritual concept because of this. Some of you have been attacked lately. Maybe it's this past year. Maybe it's a past experience in your life. You had a swarming locust come into your life. You had some Something begin to take place in your life that has left you with a horrific experience in your life. And many of you, you think you've gotten past the, the experience, but what's really happened is you've gotten past the date. But what the experience did is it burrowed deep down inside of you and left a larvae of some kind. It left an issue of some kind. It left a pain of some kind. It left a seed of bitterness of some kind. It literally, Damon, it went into your life and it didn't just wreak havoc for the moment, but it planted an egg of bitterness in your life and it's eat deep down inside. And every time you even think about this, horrific occasion whether it be the divorce whether it be your sexual abuse as a child whether it be a situation at work whether it be where you were stabbed in the back by a best friend whatever it is whenever you think of this the, the, the all the memories come flooding back and come rushing back into your life and you're sitting here thinking i've got past the event i got past the swarming locust but i haven't got past the hopper locust i haven't got past the seeds that were planted deep down inside me and here's the problem the bad experience that you experienced is bad enough but in the bad experience that you experienced, what took place is you now have a jaded perspective of what, how you view the Bible and how you view Scripture and how you view every aspect of life. What happens when a bad experience occurs in your life and the swarming locusts come in and wreak devastation on your life, literally so much that it blacks out the sun in your life, what happens from that point on is you begin to move forward with jaded vision of everything in your life. Have you ever been through a divorce? People who have been through a divorce tell me this all the time. They never view marriage the same again. They never view marriage the same again. Why? Because they view it through the eyes of divorce, not the eyes of the Bible and how God can completely restore. If you've ever been an addict of some kind, you view addictions like it's a never-ending curse on your life because you always call yourself, I'm still a recovering addict. I don't believe that spiritually. I don't believe that. But so many people, because of the bad experience of an addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or whatever, you always view yourself as recovering, never getting past being a new creation in Christ Jesus, where God says, I've made all things new. And so in your life, amen, give God a hand clap of praise. I'm good with that this morning. So what happens is you view everything through jaded glasses. 
You view everything with a skew in it. Nothing looks right anymore. And even your view on marriage, your view on relationships, your view on anything, it begins to have a jaded view. If you've ever lost a really close person to you and you wondered why it was way before their time and you knew they weren't supposed to go home yet, but suddenly they were gone, you now view life with a jaded view for some reason. A lot of us in this experience, we now view God with a jaded view and not a biblical view anymore. Because your experience is stronger than your knowledge. Your experience is stronger than your knowledge. I'll prove it to you because a lot of you, when you start living for the Lord, you're already expecting something bad to happen because last time you started living right, all hell broke loose. And like I said before, when hell breaks loose, let it go, right? When it breaks loose, let it go. Just let go of it. Don't hold on to it. But because you started living right one time and living for Jesus one time and got on fire for Jesus one time and something bad happened, now you're afraid to live for Jesus because something bad may happen. (laughs) See, your experience is stronger than your knowledge in the Word. Your experience is more powerful than your knowledge of the Word. See, your experiences in life will give you a perspective that's many times ungodly because we don't let a Bible experience replace the bad experience in life. Now, as, the, as the, the, the swarming locust would come in, and it was a horrible experience, the hopper locust would come in, and they would plant seeds all over the place that would come to fruition in as short as seven days and as long as two months. Some of you, you've been in a long two-month time period where the root of bitterness has set in. And you're upset with life, you're upset with people. You only come to church because you're supposed to. It's what God said to in his Bible. <laughs> That's why I'm at church. You come to church bitter, you go home bitter, you, you, you don't like this or that, your, your worst experience of your life, and some of you know the experience I'm talking about. Some of you, every time I scan by, you're like, oh, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm serious. God's wanting to deal with some people this morning. Can I get an amen on that? And, and, if I, and if God's dealing with you this morning, don't run. Don't run from him. Run to him. Because the, God is the only one, after the swarming locusts can come in, he's the only one who knows where the larvae are at to pull them out before they hatch and wreak more havoc on your life. He's the only one who can do it. And so after the swarming locusts have come in, the hopper locusts have come in, they came to birth, and some of you are living miserable lives, even though you say you're a believer. You're supposed to have the spirit of joy, but all you got is the spirit of grumpiness on you all the time. You're supposed to walk in peace, but you always worry about stuff. You're supposed to walk in joy, but you never have any joy in your life. You're supposed to be walking the fruit of the spirit of love and kindness and, and, and be long-suffering, but you're short, you're impatient, and you're, and you're miserable. And oh, how not just the swarming locusts and the hopper locusts have come in, but the destroyer locusts are starting to take place. Because what you're really doing is you're not just living, you're existing, and you're existing miserably. You're not living at all, as a matter of fact. You're existing a miserable, wretched life where the devil has raped and pillaged your joy, and he's raped and pillaged your life, and you can't even begin to understand how God could begin to use you again. Because you've been overran by the swarming locusts. You've been overtaken by the hopper locusts that have birthed on the inside of you. And now you're getting eaten up again by the destroyer locusts. And it is literally destroying every time the Spirit of God tries to produce any fruit. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anytime any fruit begins to come or you just begin to turn a little bit green again, that, that, that destroyer locust comes in and begins to snatch up any part of your life. The prophet Joel is prophesying this, and he sees it happening. I see it happen to believers every day. Believers that say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but you're miserable. You're just existing. You're just existing in your marriage, and I'm not telling you to get out of your marriage. I'm telling you to get ready for God to do a work of restoration in your life. Because he started out, be glad and rejoice, and he ended it with a blessing. But in the middle, he's got this short dissertation about some locusts. And he's addressing a major issue about some locusts in your life. And so as you begin to produce fruit again, 
the hopper locusts that come to fruition, the destroyer locusts begin to tear up everything again. And they're getting strong enough after feeding off you and your miserable life that their wings are starting to get ready to fly again. And you're saying, good, get ready to fly because I want you to fly out of my life. The problem is they don't fly out of your life till you're already dead. And some of you are just living dead people. You walk around with no spiritual life. You walk around with no hope because the locusts are simply coming in. And they're not just being swarming. They're not just hoppers, but they're destroying you. And you're ready for them to fly and go somewhere else. And their wings are getting stronger feeding off you. The problem is when they get done feeding off you, they're going to your next closest kin. Because some of you have lived in bitterness so long, your kids don't know any other life but bitterness. And so you're passing down the bitterness from you of your bad experience to your kids. I see this all the time with parents who have gone through, through divorces. And they start bad-mouthing the other spouse to the other spouse in front of their kids. And as they're bad-mouthing one spouse to their kids, the other one does it to their kids. And the kids are growing up with this jaded perspective of marriage. And they don't want to get married. And they're wondering why. Why is it that husbands and wives are being supposed to be men and women now? Because they got such a jaded view of marriage. And so now they're looking for other options all the way around. Do you understand how when the destroyer locusts get ready to fly, they're not leaving you until you're dead. But when they're leaving you, they're going to your next closest kin. They're not leaving you. They're just taking down the generation that you birthed. Some of these places that were overrun by the locusts never recovered. The city never recovered. I believe we're in a time and a day that if we don't embrace a mighty movement of God's blessing... And remember what I said his blessing was. It's the spirit of God being poured out upon us. If we don't embrace a mighty movement of God's blessing, his spirit being poured out upon us, we're going to lose a whole generation. That will net, listen, when you lose a whole generation, you can't recover. No society in the history of the world has ever recovered at the loss of a complete generation. Their society began to fail from that point on, and they never recovered. I believe that we are in a day spiritually that if we don't begin to receive the spirit of God upon us, which is his blessing, we are in a generation that will never recover. And to me, that's scary. I don't know about you. To me, that, that's terrifying. I'm not going to say I'm terrified because if we don't live in fear, we live by faith. That is a terrifying statement that we better start declaring the word of God over us, not for the next generation to be saved, but for you to be saved, for you to be restored. And there's nothing wrong, get this church, there's nothing wrong with praying for the next generation. I believe you should pray for the next generation, but I believe you should pray for the next generation like this. God do something so amazing in me that I can change the next generation. Quit praying for the next generation to change. Pray for you to be changed because God's called you to change the next generation. And I'm not talking about losing the next generation, I'm talking about losing this generation. Listen to this. I'm talking about this generation. Joel wasn't prophesying to the next generation. He was prophesying to the people that were alive at that time. He said, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. And I will pour my spirit out on both men and women. God's ready to see a generation change. Now get this, church. The Bible goes on to say that the final stage, the cutter locust came. And the cutter locust, as they left, the people were decimated. In the end, they were literally devastated, destroyed, and worse than dead. There were people living in slavery and defeat long after the swarm had left. Some of you are living in slavery and defeat to a bad experience long after the swarm has led so left so what's the answer to this everybody say but God said no everybody say but God said now everybody say but God said so you got to start saying what God said with the authority like what God said it right some of y'all are fighting an addiction but the Bible says no that's not how my God talks some of y'all are fighting marriage trouble but the Bible says it's not how my God talks some of y'all are fighting issues with your kids, 
But the Bible says, no. Say, but God said. Now, come on, start taking authority over some areas of your life. Start taking authority in your life. When you read the Bible, don't just read it. Well, the Bible says in those days he's going to pour his spirit out. No, no, no. The Bible said in those days he's going to pour his spirit out, and I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to start getting under the waterfall wherever he's pouring it. You've got to start making decisions and just quit reading the word for face value. You've got to start saying, but God said. So if God said it, that means it's applying to me because I'm his child. And when God speaks, I'm going to be quick to react because I'm going to get in on the pouring out of his spirit, which is his blessing and watch what God can do in your life I will not tolerate me losing this generation that I'm looking at believe me I got great heart for the next generation that's encompassing my boys I'm not going to lose this generation because you guys are going to be the generation that influences my sons and so I will not give up this generation I will not let the swarming locusts come in and take over this generation I will not let the enemy come in and wreak havoc on you guys' life and how I'm going to do that is I'm fixing to equip you in the next five minutes this morning but God said I will restore to you get ready for restoration Everybody say, it's my day. day. Everybody say, it's my day. day. Say it like you want it. It's my day. day. God's fixing to restore in your life the years the swarming locusts have eaten, the years the hopper locusts have eaten, the years the cutter locusts have eaten, the years the destroyer locusts have eaten, whatever's gone wrong in your life up to this point. God says, if you'll get in on my word, but God said, I'm going to restore, you can have some restoration start happening in your life right here, right now, this morning, and it's yours if you'll take it. It's yours. God wants to restore a generation that's been ravaged by locusts. And he goes on to say, but God said, I will restore to you the locusts have eaten. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Notice what he said. He's dealt wondrously with you. God wants to do some wonderful things in your life if you'll let him. But some of y'all are still living in fear because the minute I start believing this again, Joel, I'm going to get hurt somehow. Why do you believe that mess any longer? When you start believing and you start walking by faith and you start living it out in Jesus, you're going to have things come against you, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You're an overcomer. God's wanting to deal wondrously with you, but you got to get up after the locusts have gone, baby. you got to get up after they've left, and you got to begin to declare the word of God in your life. How is he going to do this? If this is how he's going to do this, God is going to restore by his spirit, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? And it shall come to pass afterward. After what is he talking about? After all the locusts are gone and they've left you dead, dying on a doorstep, and the devil thinks that you're never going to get up again, and Satan's done spoken in your life that you're never going to be effective for the kingdom again, God says, but afterwards, after all that mess that you've been believing, God said, now it's my turn because I said... Some of y'all need to grab a hold of this. Some of y'all are missing your opportunity for victory today, I'm telling you. Because God's wanting to restore something in your life. God says, but I said, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. And he said, and afterwards, after all the ravaging is taking place, after all the pillaging is taking place, God said, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. And I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. How many want your sons and your daughters to start prophesying? So the next time they come to talk to you about the Bible, don't shove them away. They're trying to prophesy to you. The prophecy means bring you the word of God. It's the word of the Lord. When your kids want to talk to you about the Bible, don't say you don't have time for them. They're trying to prophesy to you. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, a lot of people, they say when they get past a certain age, they start dreaming dreams. That's not a negative statement. That's a statement because we need people to start dreaming dreams like Isaiah dreamed to give us direction for the vision that's ahead. 
It's not a negative statement that your old men are dreaming dreams. God needs some people that are of mature age to start having dreams again. To start having dreams that say, listen, the church body is about to rise up. Pastor, this is what you got to start looking for. The church body is about to start exploding. Pastor, this is what you need to see. I saw it in a dream. There's nothing wrong with dreaming because God needs to start giving people dreams again. And God says, I'm going to let my young men start having visions again. Some of you are even afraid to hope. Oh, don't even talk about how good life can be. I just hope I, ex- I get through today. No, God's fixing to start giving visions again. He's fixing to start giving visions to your life again. And God's fixing to start transforming your life if you'll receive the vision that he's given your life. And he said, I'll pour my spirit out of all flesh, and your, daughters, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. How do you get from devastating on the porch being eaten ravaged by locusts to a person who's letting the spirit of god be poured out on their life i'm going to give you three quick steps everybody say three. First thing you got to do is you got to look soberly where you're at what's the experience that's devastating you what's that divorce what's that addiction what's that problem what's that bad experience you better go back to that experience and soberly remember it and bring it before god just because it's in your past then why are you still reliving it in your future every single day of your life If it's a prominent issue in your life, you must begin to go and visit it and bring it before God Almighty. I don't care what it is. If you're still hurting over a divorce 20 years ago, bring it before God and say, God, I'm still hurting. You better soberly look at the situations of your life. Quit using this fake faith stuff that says, oh, I'm just going to believe and get past it. No, because some of you will never get past it because the locust may be gone, but he's got larvae hidden all inside your heart that keep springing up and producing every time you start having vision. And you wonder why nothing ever comes to pass in your life because every time you get vision, it gets eaten by another locust that you didn't even know where it came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came deep within inside you because you haven't let God go deep in and pull out all the junk. You must soberly visit the experience that you had that caused that hurt, that pain. You have to look at the hurt, the pain, the loss, the trial experience and expose it to God because God wants to pour his life-giving spirit on that exact area that's been raped, and pillaged and been to become a victim to the enemy some of you are blessed in certain areas of your life and you just want more blessing in that area but the problem is if you're struggling in this area many times it's hindering greater blessing in the area that you're gifted in so god wants to visit that area that's hurt that area that's struggling that area that's in trial that area that's been abandoned he wants to visit it and when he visits it he's going to pour his spirit on that area of your life and heal it so that you can be healed and made whole and move on with god so you got to visit the area. you got to let him pour his life-giving spirit in that area. And here's the best part. Those of you who are existing in bondage and slavery this morning and defeat, if you'll begin to ask God to fill you this morning, guess what? He's faithful. Because it started out, rejoice and be glad. He's fixing to tell you the blessing. The blessing is the pouring out of his spirit. The blessing is the pouring out of his spirit on your life. The pros point of Joel is this. People who are in bondage and slavery can't dream, can't have visions, and can't declare the life-giving power of the word of God. People that are in bondage and enslaved, you can't declare the life-giving power of the Word of God. Let the Spirit of God begin to pour out upon your life like never before.